if you start losing hair, you got to use something like this. Oh, are you, have you that? started losing hair? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Did you see me before? Dude, while we were in Colombia together, I was losing a shitload of hair. Oh, were you? I, I never noticed. Lot. Yeah, on the top and in the front, it's still kind of thin up front too. So, like, yeah. Damn. Wait, so what do you use? I use hymns. <laughs> the whole cocktail of things. You get the this juice that you put, put on your head twice a day. Uh, you have vitamin gummies. <laughs> Let's go back to the vitamin gummies afterwards. <laughs> Uproar in the studio brought to you by hymns. <laughs> Noah supplements. We're starting, your an e- we're starting an e-commerce service yeah. for uh, <laughs> male pattern balding. Yeah, if you're losing your hair or you can't get hard, go to hymns. They sell both. Welcome to Uproar in the Studio, your Chinese blockbuster podcast. I'm Noah. I'm Reza. I'm Andrew, and this is your monthly bonus episode. If you like our show and can afford it, we would really appreciate it if you would contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash uproar in the studio. This week we are talking about Jackie Chan's Vanguard, released in 2020 amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. You don't have to watch it, but if you want to see it without spoilers, listen to the show afterwards. Later, we'll be talking with returning guest stuntman and actor Brahim Chab, who plays Brodo, one of the villains in the film. But first, we're talking about the movie amongst ourselves, and here's our conversation. When an accountant named Chin is targeted by a terrorist group after a hidden treasure, he enlists the service of a security contractor called Vanguard to protect himself and his family. Vanguard's operatives, led by Jackie Chan as CEO Tang Huanting, travel to Africa to find Chin's daughter Farida. But when Farida is kidnapped, Chin must give himself over in exchange for her safety. Vanguard intercepts the terrorists in Dubai, where the treasure has been stashed, and apprehend them as they're about to launch an attack on a visiting U.S. ship. More bad CGI lions, international super police friends, and hot wheels of solid gold. This is Vanguard. I mean, how impressed were you guys by this conceptually? On Um, the broadest level, I was really happy with the title. I think there should be a Vanguard, be it Leninist or Maoist, represented on screen. Well, there was a lot of weird moral shit said about working for Chinese Blackwater in this movie. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, because it's like, I really responded to when the guy was like, this is just a job, what are you doing? And then he just yells, (laughs) I'm... In Vanguard. And I was like, wow. <laughs> imagine having that much pride over where you work. I am leading the proletariat to a better future. There's at nope. least three parts in this movie where, like, Brahim or somebody else tries to tell one of the agents, like, dude, this is just the job. Like, why don't you just get paid more? And they're just like, nah, man. Like, what did he say? You've learned our language, not our ethics. <laughs> I, I do have to say something about this movie, though, because we were looking at all the marketing for this movie, and we were just kind of like, okay, it's a Jackie Chan movie with guns. And it really 100% delivers Very on that promise. That's much pretty guns. much exactly what this is. This is probably the best Jackie in a while. He has uh, a lot of on-screen action, actually. Uh, well, He's involved in it. Relative to what? The spy next relative door. Relative to, like... <laughs> 
Yeah, Spy Next Door is awesome. Yeah, he and does then, have a, he actually has a lot of action in the Spy Next Door. He does, and yeah. like, there's the whole thing with the like, take the escalators or take the uh, ropes thing, and this movie does the same bit where and Jackie's like, "I'm gonna yeah. jump," and then the guy's like, "But the stairs are right there," and Jackie's like, "Oh, good Dude, stairs! I, so I love hyped. stairs." <laughs> yeah. But to, to return yeah. to the point of Vanguard just being a job, I find it so interesting how like Jackie is basically slowly moving from. You know, he's running a small team of evil, or not evil, but, like, morally questionable archaeologists to, he's running not just Chinese he's Blackwater, which it definitely is. It, it is definitely him playing Eric Prince, but yeah. Chinese. It's also... But like, if Eric Prince led the van... If Eric Prince led Blackwater. Right, if Eric Prince was cool. I did love how every time he was in battle, he was in the same exact suit mm-hmm. that he's in his office. <laughs> and not only that, but his gun strap matches his suit in both material and color. I thought he was sharp in this. I like no, his glasses. I was, one of my I notes like... is that Jackie Chan looks really good. He does. Yeah. But he looks like a boss in the worst possible way. Like, there are shots in this movie within the Vanguard office. Which are like, oh, this just has the shitty office lighting, cubicles fucking awful conference rooms basically jackie chan in these movies has ascended to like upper management to the point of like yeah the stakes don't feel so high anymore it's weird though because i feel like it has that effect but i don't think that's the intention it has the effect of like putting him in a weird sort of managerial relationship with the other characters but at the same time i feel like the intention behind it is sort of setting up successors to jackie chan just because I think they're trying, yeah. Yeah, well, with the with the kind of comedy that they put into the action in this, it definitely feels like, oh, this is the kind of thing that would have been done in like a classic Jackie Chan movie, or at least it's that same kind of humor, even though this is much darker than the original Jackie Chan movies. Yeah, this is this had some brutal stuff, but on yeah, the no, point, it had some pretty crazy shit. They they've tried to do this for like decades now. Jackie Chan successor and like the Jackie Chan stunt team has made movies that are just like well Jin Tong Yao who's in a bunch of the ones from our previous decade now they put her in her own solo JC stunt team movies and they weren't that successful because nobody in these movies is Jackie Chan besides him going into upper management it's like them to a certain degree show like the Yang Yang the guy who plays um Lei in this right the guy who gets captured yeah i think is like a really really big like superstar in china like not just an actor like he makes music and you know he's like he does everything he's huge but he's not maybe he's like trying to play what jackie used to be but it doesn't really work out and jackie well they're also too cool i feel like like that guy is just they are yeah they are really jackie chan yeah they're they're pretty cool in a way that, like, old Jackie Chan is kind of scrappy. The only one that sort of approaches that old Jackie Chan vibe in this movie is Lunai, right? Who's, like, he's Captain China. His kid at one point is coached into saying, what did we discuss about Captain China? Oh, you're better than Captain America? He's more powerful than Captain America. America. That was a great scene. I really enjoyed that. (laughs) I put a note as soon as they left that, like, if one of them is going to die or get close to dying, it's going to be this guy. But it's also a Jackie Chan movie. He's making they family films. It. So hard. 
<laughs> well, that's that's one of the things about this movie because the action sequences I think are done genuinely well. I think that this has some of the better action sequences we've seen in a Jackie Chan movie mm-hmm. recently. It's a little bit on the grittier side, which I wasn't the biggest fan of, but they do incorporate some of that classic Jackie Chan style action humor in a way that I think works better than in most places. But the plot of this movie is so linear. It's like the most linear movie that I have ever seen. Like the most. It's picaresque. What do you have against lines? They're going from one place to another, from like one high concept to the next. Yeah, but it's so like it's so obvious every step of the way. Mm -hmm. Stanley, (laughs) that's not what you're watching the movie. Really, really, really likes the slow motion shot inside of a car. (laughs) Like (laughs) kung fu yoga, uh, kung fu yoga with the lion, and then like five times in this movie dude i swear yeah. to god every time there was a, he got an opportunity with the driver he was just like all right stop we're gonna do the slow motion flip thing <laughs> i don't know and if at Stanley one point John, in this movie yo. he gets the baby to come into the scene too right to look up at the car flipping <laughs> no i just i don't know if John wants to have bad cgi lions and bad cgi cars <laughs> as like motifs throughout dude, the limo the limo backing up into oh the that was so good <laughs> That was so much better than Tenet. That was so much better than Tenet. This movie doesn't pull back on the fun. Like the hoverboard. You, what oh, the fuck the was that? Just out of back. nowhere. Yeah. I wrote that it was even better than the roller suit. Well, it started having like some Avenger characteristics. I think so, but in a way that I kind of don't like. And I think it goes even beyond no, it the was Avengers. Cringe, dude. At, at this point, it's like. Only the shit to the Avengers. They've made it so easy for Jackie Chan. Like, the organization he runs is so powerful that, like, the perfect symbol of this for me of, like, how the power of his character ruins the fun to some small extent is when they're driving away from some mercenaries in the jungle in Africa. He has a taser. He's not adapting anything. He's not adapting a wrench to do something funny with it. He's just tasing people. Yeah, I wrote in my notes that that guy, he did a really awesome job of acting the part of guy getting tased. <laughs> or and even post-tased, yeah, he he's still twitching. Like, like the entire five-minute scene acting tased. And then afterwards you had, like, cutaway shots of him still, like, twitching from being yeah. tased. Dude, that guy deserves an Oscar for sure. But, I wrote that down somewhere. But also yeah, just, like, having the, the drone operators who are also, like, sort of directing the operation in, like, an Operation Red Dude, Sea type thing. the bee drones? The bee drones were fucking sick. I guess. It just makes everything too easy, though. Yeah, I mean, that's a problem that I see a lot in action movies lately. Like, Ocean's 8, that was a huge problem I had with it, where just, like, the gadgets aren't innovative. The gadgets are just things to solve problems that you're manufacturing right dude this is the future bro like yeah no i agree, I agree. but even it's the gadgets fun. that are kind of old like when they get stuck with, mean, the, like, above the um waterfall he just calls it a helicopter entire, yeah having the entire like attack being just broadcasted through this pigeon thing <laughs> was so stupid it was just like okay like that was innovative like you did nothing I like the pigeon CGI, though. When the pigeon, like, opens its eyes and it's clearly a robot pigeon. Big fan of that. It's just so... Like, all pigeons I... are robot pigeons. <laughs> I-, I like how in this movie, Jackie Chan, he doesn't really visit any countries unless they're in Europe. He only visits regions. He goes... not. He doesn't go to a country. He goes to Africa. He doesn't go to a country in the Middle East, although eventually he does go to Dubai. But, like, for a while, he's just in the Middle East until yeah. it's very clearly signposted. Dubai-China co-productions. 
like on on screen. Uh, the Dubai tourism budget that they poured into this was huge. Oh Jackie just twenty minutes at the end praising the work of the Dubai police. <laughs> that was my that oh, was my favorite. It was so God. awkward. It was so strange. My favorite oh, shot in this movie. The work of the Dubai police allowed the Americans to survive. Yeah, we but it's because the Dubai Jack- police have like hot Chinese wives. That was my favorite part. My favorite part was when he weirdly like said, "My wife is Chinese," and then they had a, a weird handshake shot that I was like, "Oh, okay." There were so many just like rich kids who were just like got into this movie. Like every car that flipped in Dubai was just some rich princess's like son. Well, every car that flipped like... in Dubai was CGI. Let's be honest. But you know, some kid was like, "I want to be in this." Right. <laughs> Well, you had that one guy who the the stoner dude who looked over his shoulder and then did the a full flip. Right, one hundred percent, and a billionaire's kid. <laughs> <laughs> you think they were just auctioning off extra roles in this? No, it's like contractually obliged. Like if you film in Dubai, my nephew has to be in the movie. He he loves the movies. You gotta put him in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> the riot shield was sick. The weaponry was cool. Yeah, I think the thing about this, though, is that it's almost a mix of something like Operation Red Sea and Sky Hunter with what they were doing in Kung Fu Yoga. And I don't love all of the new elements basically coming in. You know? I mean, Jack no, I don't is explicitly either. leading like an extradition Avengers. Right. I didn't really like the gunplay. I know that the gunplay was really like what this movie's innovation on the Jackie Chan movie was. But I wasn't a big fan of it. I just thought it was kind of was loud and detracted from... The action Dude, he's like. dealing at the scale of weapons of mass destructions. I guess, yeah, there's yeah. one big bomb. It's not. It doesn't yeah. get a lot of focus. Dude, it barely does anything. It, it injures 15 people. Like, they actually, on film, just take out F-35s. They just have to do that. But I do, I, I feel like it's very well worth talking about what sort of depiction of the Middle East it is and what that maybe says about what's going on in audiences' minds. There's definitely brown face, sure. which is worth discussing. No, the, Lots that was, of brown yeah, face. That was really weird. Uh, the brown face, my eyes popped out of my head when I saw that. Just because of how, like overt it was they even explained why they did it very progressive <laughs> <laughs> it was practical the, brown face so it was okay i guess yeah. maybe no they did the justin trudeau 30-year arc into it <laughs> very quickly though. the weird thing about it for me though was just how you had these kind of two worlds of the middle east they were presenting because on the one hand the villains are all middle eastern mm-hmm. but then on the other hand in Dubai, you have a whole lot of lip service to the Chinese-Middle East relationship. Or the Chinese-Dubai uh, relationship. Particularly. Yeah, I guess Chinese-Dubai, but it, it didn't feel like it was so necessarily specific in all cases. Well, I think what it sets up is countries like the fictional place where the fortress was. You know, it was like a very um, Gaddafi-Libya-like symbolism or something weird like that. It was just like setting it up so that these places are ripe for, you know, China can go in because somebody needs to kind of thing. You know, it was like, it, yeah. it's make it look like it's, right? yeah, make it look like it's chaotic. Well, that they was explicitly one the... say that the central government has no power and the brotherhood are running things there. I mean, so it's, it's very sky it. hunter, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the most problematic things about this movie to me, just the entire thing that they're building it around being that this guy has a shitload of money in gold that he really should have, but the reason they won't give it to him is because they're just like, Protecting he's going to use it to guy. buy weapons. Yeah, Literal 
gold fucking Rolls Royce Phantoms. Like, <laughs> just as opulent as it gets. How the fuck were those driving the way they were? Those are like... They weren't. Way, they were like, CGI. They, they would have been so... No, heavy. I know, but like, what the hell? They would have been so incredibly heavy. I They're do... just drifting in the malls at the end. Like It was such a wild tourism bunch at the end. They're so bouncy, too, the CGI cars. The Burj Khalifa with, like, China flags. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's also, it's weird, though, because for all the superfluous stuff, like, not to say that the action's superfluous necessarily, but in terms of plot, it is. They really just obviously cut a ton of shit from, like, the story and plot end to supplement that. Like, in the beginning, I remember when she's in Africa and, and she's talking to her parents, now she hangs up as soon as her mom's put on the phone. And it's just like, oh, she obviously has this bad relationship with her mom that is just never, never revisited. Never, <laughs> never discussed again. No reconciliation. And the mom doesn't even show up again when <laughs> the dad except is safe. For, except for the moment she's, like, uh, threatened to get shot. The dad is, like, very shady, right? Like, he's... Yeah, no, no, no. He's, like, it seems like he's probably in the wrong here. It's pro- he's probably in the wrong for withholding this guy's... No. No, no, that character was the most evil person in the in the movie, right? Because one, he was working for like this terrorist guy. Mm-hmm. And then two, he sold the terrorist out guy to the fucking Americans. So that's why they leave him with the terrorists, you know? Like he gives himself up and they don't give a shit. And like he continuously tells them like, you know, money is the root of all evil. Like Jackie Chan continually like lectures <laughs> this guy. Jackie you know? Chan in his $50,000 suit lectures <laughs> this guy on money being the root of all evil. <laughs> But I think the argument could be made that he is the worst person to be in this movie. Probably, because he doesn't, like, it's not like he puts up a fight or anything. It's not like he's like, oh, I cannot, I absolutely cannot give in. Or like, oh, this guy absolutely should not have the money. He just kind of gives in pretty immediately. There's no, like... That was nice Shiera, like, you know, (laughs) how you treat businessmen. Or accountants, I guess. Use them as long as they're useful. Let them go when you have to. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but, I'm just saying, yeah. like, there's there's no, like, virtue to his character. There's nothing, like, valorous about him. Well, to be fair, he he does have a good scarf that he's always trying to match with his big yellow tie. So that's a little Respected. bit of virtue. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess his virtue is really just placed in his daughter. They really turn up the activist in her. Dude, the activism was so weird. It was her, so weird. There were so animals. many things going on. I just, I, I just read this really interesting piece in the drift a bit ago called the original karen and it's about a part of nairobi that's like just basically all white still oh no a group of the people within this suburb of nairobi call themselves the karen cowboys and they're the sort of people who have a bunch of conservation land and throw off the tribal populations for in quotes poaching and like I worry that that dynamic is now devolving to the this like Chinese millennial character in this film. It is. It it's is really strange, yellow man especially burden. because right. <laughs> Where I mean, we've got just, there, uh, like it's happening. It's just one more like aspect of this movie though that ends up being something that's thrown in there and is really important for like two seconds and then doesn't matter anymore. Well, she has like a 90 second montage with like just chilling with lions. Exactly. (laughs) A really weird sort of erotic montage with those lions. (laughs) What what makes that so much better is that we just learned from Brahim that that lion was a man in a suit. (laughs) (laughs) 
You're right. Yeah, that makes it better. Yeah, that makes it a lot better. So weird. Dude, I wonder so if the same weird. guy played the dumbass hyena who jumped and ran into right. the car door. Also, why is that guy in that like tiny cage taking photos of them? Like he has to leave the cage <laughs> to leave. Like it's not like a boat. Like it makes sense. I don't know. It just was and, weird. Like, she seems to have tamed the lion. So what does he have to be worried about? Yeah, it was really strange. No, it just felt like it was only there to justify some guy getting eaten by a lion. <laughs> well, there was good animal like violence closure with Omar being like flipped into the shark tank. <laughs> yeah, although I was, did yeah. he never gets consumed? Does he on screen? No, that's what I was wondering. There's, was there's more and more blood though. Yeah. No, they definitely had a shot of that originally and then decided not to do it. <laughs> Maybe they ran the out of they... CGI budget. <laughs> Maybe, but they, they go for it at every other <laughs> moment in this movie. Just when they set you up for like something horrible happening to a person, <laughs> they do it without hesitation. Like, yeah, he fries this dude's hand. Yeah. <laughs> at like the very start, that was like setting the tone of the movie. And yeah. the guy who does that is Lunai, who we've seen in Hello, Mr. Billionaire and Never Say Die, yeah. that boxing movie where the boxer switches bodies with a female reporter. And oh, I, I've repressed that one. <laughs> I, I think that this one, though, is like his first sort of more dramatic or actiony role. He's Captain China. Yeah, exactly. Dude, this, is, this might be an Avengers like kickoff type thing. I think the if it had made any money, it could be an eventual yeah. kickoff like thing. Yeah, I mean, in a a world without COVID, this might have become a a pretty decent franchise. I Maybe. the thing is, I think that a lot of people because we talked about this, how a lot of movies have been trying to create somebody to be like the successor for Jackie Chan style of action comedy, mm-hmm. and I felt like this movie actually did a pretty decent job of it again you know the intensity of the violence and stuff was a little bit more than i felt like was appropriate for jackie chan style of humor but at the same time i think that this movie actually does it pretty well so if this movie was released in a non-covid time and had made more money because you know it really got screwed by this pandemic i think that there's a possibility that this could have been like it dude maybe the formula is having a bunch of people who kind of do jackie chan things I just don't know like if it works Jackie... without Jackie Chan just symbolically being at the center of it, though. Because like it other doesn't, but people... maybe that's the way forward for yeah, like, he could he's like this. He could still be there. Yeah, I want to watch that new movie by Dante Lam about the like off coast oil refinery or something that has to be rescued by a team like this. Because this movie did so much feel like Operation Red Sea. If you took Jackie Chan out of it, it would just be a bunch of faceless like rescue people around it's the world. It's a lot more whimsical. Sure. Although, like, not more not whimsical than eating candy while your face is falling off. It, it's a lot more whimsical <laughs> than eating candy while your face is falling off. <laughs> Releasing this movie in the middle of COVID feels like eating candy while your face is falling off. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> One thing I was thinking about was there's a half-gestured at astrology slash palm reading slash maybe yes. romance subplot. Yes. Yes. Between Yang Dude, Yang and the girl, I, the yes. daughter. He's like, I assume you're a Virgo. <laughs> She's like, I, oh, it's, are you a Virgo too? That really caught my attention. I don't really have much to expand on that. I was, it just felt like such a, I guess that's like the appealing to the youth <laughs> bullshit. This is really haram though. Very haram. This uh, is really a, a weird 
kind of thing. But I did I did want to point out her <laughs> her nest, her like avatar style nest in the tree. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was. It they spent a lot of but... like money or something on that because it was like a prominent scene. Well, she's like high tech Tarzan because she also has that like jeep that turns into like oh the duck boat yeah, yeah we didn't even talk about the amphibious jeep <laughs> right <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere and it's all this technology in this movie is like that well they have like cell phone hacking technology in this too like that they, they do everything that was the first moment i realized we were in dubai when we were looking at the surveillance footage with dubai police written on the side of it one of the things that really pissed me off about this movie is and I like this movie, is that, like, when you get to Dubai, the movie is so CGI-heavy throughout the movie, but, like, when you're in Dubai, some of the CGI just felt like, damn, they might have actually just done this. Like, they might have actually just, like, gotten all these fountains to do this China color shit, but because, like, it's fucking Dubai. And, like, at that point, I just felt like I'm so lost in what this is and what this could be that the Dubai-China scenes are just too much for me. They can do anything they want on screen. And I think especially because it's Jackie Chan walking into Dubai and they're like, oh, shit, it's Jackie Chan. You can do whatever. Do anything. Like, literally, you can do anything. (laughs) Uh, Maybe the last thing to be said for this movie is that I feel like this would have been the better closer for the last season. This feels more like closing the loop on how Jackie Chan has progressed from sort of the center of the movie to very much upper management to where he's almost... He has some action in this movie, and he did seemingly risk his life. What's the character that Samuel Johnson plays in? Uh, Samuel, Samuel Jackson. Jackson plays in, um, like the Avengers movies. Like he's Nick like Fury. the yeah. yeah that guy. Yeah, he's no, it's, it's like exactly that. And it's it's disappointing in but a he sense, has two but eyes. it's also like <laughs> two eyes, two pairs of glasses. It, it is One disappointing, suit. but it's less disappointing than him just being so. As he's not just peripheral in this one; he's in charge. Yeah, And he leads the charge. Right. And so that maybe feels like the proper evolution for Jackie Chan. Yeah, very Napoleon-like guy. Or yeah, I feel like Lord Curzon or other <laughs> colonial leaders. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say that him, him being there definitely makes it feel a lot less like just mimicry. You know, when, I don't know when if people I'd are doing. This if he wasn't in it, right? Like, I, I certainly like it would. It just. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, there's yeah. just. It's not that it's a bad movie either. It's 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 fine. Like even it's if just... the JC stunt team did it, it wouldn't be the same. No, it wouldn't be the same without him there. He's essential. And you know, it, but it feels like the character is still the character, even though he's a CEO and even though he's like obviously a lot less scrappy than like a police story of Jackie Chan. He still feels like a Jackie Chan character. But I don't know if you were like a viewer in the '80s and you watched this movie was somehow sent back or you were sent to the future, right? And this is the movie you decide that you're going to watch. And this is the movie that you decide you're... Or, like, this is, like, a Clockwork Orange it scenario. It says a lot. And it your, your eyes lot. are opened. And you're, it's like... You're sitting in a chair and you're forced to watch this movie. Right. The last thing you saw is Legend of the Drunken Master. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's like... Uh, without all of these movies in between that we covered in the last season sort of transitioning slowly to this... Like, I think of Chinese Zodiac Kung Fu Yoga Vanguard as, like, a trilogy of Jackie Chan's journey into upper management. Like, he's the Oliver Platt role in this movie, whereas in Chinese Zodiac, he was working for Oliver Platt. Yeah. And 
So now Jackie's at the top, the only and thing it's less interesting, but it is what it is. playing, like, President Xi. Oh. Right. Yeah, the, in the biopic, which 100% I would watch. I would absolutely like, what else, that. right? He's not going to be a vanguard soldier anymore. And, like, it's done. Like, that chapter is over. Yeah, he's so far removed from it already in this movie, even though he's, like, in the cars or whatever, and technically leading the charge, and even giving, like, a Henry V speech to columns of lined-up soldiers on his Humvee and helicopter-filled base. But he's, the moment where I feel like the relationship gets sort of solidified is just when you have all the people on his team taking out these guys in their gold CGI cars and, like, flying overhead on hoverboards, and you have him talking to this cop, and he's just saying, like, oh, I trained all these guys. Yeah, yeah, no, this, specifically the best version of that within that scene is where Miyamuchi is choking a guy out with his own seatbelt, and Jackie looks over and he's like, oh, I taught her that. <laughs> I, taught <Yeah>. her. <laughs> I, I really do hope they decide to just throw money at this franchise, because I want to see what happens with this um, Green Goblin-like think... character. I mean, it'll come down to what Jackie Chan wants, because at, like, at this point he still has control over this sort of thing. Yeah, There's and I think, so much to work with here. I just don't yeah. think Yang Yang is, like, developed enough as an actor to maybe lead a film. I do want to see somebody, like, start to really fill the shoes of Jackie Chan, though. The thing with what we've seen so far is that it feels like they're taking people who are already famous and just trying to map them onto mm -hmm. Jackie Chan. Whereas when... he had that OG underdog, like, it's like Jackie Chan. Yeah, and, you know, as soon as they find that person who, like, isn't just playing the part of this, but really embodies it, I think that these movies are really going to take off. I would argue oh, that, J yeah, I would argue that JC, of all the, like, young actors that they've brought into these movies... He has movies, the best narrative, too, like... Well, he yeah, definitely he has a very good narrative, but he's also just, like, kind of funny. In, um, in Railroad Tigers... He's he's got charisma. He's got on-screen like he's charismatic. Yeah, he's he's he can make the jokes. It's in the blood, bro. <laughs> right. yeah. Thanks, Noah and Reza. Here's our interview with stuntman and actor Brahim Chab. How's Jakarta? It's great, man. It's good. I mean, with the COVID, it sucks, but it's better to be doing something than doing nothing right totally We're recording. what have you been doing recently i've been doing um a hollywood movie with uh dev patel oh <laughs> whoa oh. nice is he he's doing more action that's cool uh, yeah um what is it what's it like filming during COVID in jakarta what are the restrictions like well i'm not really in jakarta i mean uh i mean this place called batam so uh, it's basically, you know, we have this resort where where I'm staying, and it's basically the whole movie is getting shot in a studio. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, the resort is only allowing people from the movie production, and then you have all these COVID protocols with, you know, COVID testing and quarantining new people coming in, and uh, basically you can just go to the studio and back to the resort. So I've been... I've been here for six months already, so it's kind of like, Whoa. that's my last month here. So I kind of look forward to get the hell out of here, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> you're, you're in the NBA how bubble longer almost. Has, um, <laughs> how much longer has filming take, like, how, in this six months? How, like... 
under non-COVID like, like, conditions, would it, would you have been filming like faster? Do you think? Uh, I, I would think so. Yes. I mean, because um, you know, you get people down here, and then you have to quarantine them for fourteen days. Uh, yeah. and you have to wait. They pass the test, and then they can come out, and then. They do it with, um, they have what you call a bubble. So you have this bubble that is people who have been here for a while. And then you have the the bubble of like people who just arrived. So they have to quarantine them. So yeah, definitely. I think I would have, it would have done, it would have already been done. Yeah. yeah. Do you see any like positive things coming out of this? Like anything that you think, oh, maybe this is something that people will continue to do after COVID? You mean like quarantining people? <laughs> no, like, not like <laughs> I don't know. To be honest, I, I don't really know if, uh, to be honest, I'm, I don't really know what will happen in the future. Like, I'm ready for anything. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's I the mean, right way to go. I, I didn't know, like, you know, back in 2019, you know, it was the, the year is finishing and then boom, 2020. And then the whole year is like completely shut down. You can't go anywhere. And now they start again in 2021. And now there are these new variants of this shit. And mm. it's kind of like, well, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, we'll see how it goes. But I'm just, I'm just happy I was, I was working, you know, last year. And I, I'm even working now. So, you know, I'm quite happy about it. Was the end of filming of Vanguard, did like, because I noticed in the um, bloopers at the end of the film, or I guess there are less bloopers and more behind-the-scenes shots, but it seems like in some bits there's Jackie handing out, like, hand sanitizer and masks. Was Vanguard finished, like, right as COVID started? Not really, no. No, it was way before that. And, uh, no, I, I just think he uh, was just handing out masks maybe because we were in a place where there's a lot of dust or something, but mm. I don't think it had anything to do with COVID, though. Cool. Yeah, I think it was just water bottles. I think your brain is warped, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been in this reality too long. Too much pandemic. Yeah. How was the premiere for Vanguard for you uh, after all the delays and everything? Well, to be honest, uh, I'm quite glad that they delayed the release because basically what happened is they would only have uh, a premiere in China at the time, but with everything being postponed and all that, they had like a, a big premiere in Thailand and I was in Thailand at the time they had it. So they invited me to the premiere and um, they had um, like this big event and, uh, you know, I could talk about my role and all that in the movie. So it was pretty fun. And uh, I think, you know, at the end it, it worked for the best because uh, let's be honest, if you released it earlier during the pandemic, you know, nobody would have watched it. I, I think as what it is, and at the time it came out, you know, it was, you know, it, it was perfect timing, yes. So what was the information they were giving you on that? Did they, you know, did you get a call saying that the movie was going to be released, or were you pretty much just in the dark for all these delays? Well, I was not in the dark, I was kind of like, you know... Uh, I was in Thailand in uh, January 2020, that was. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, I just came back from shooting a movie in Malaysia. Then I was kind of like getting ready to go and watch it in the cinema myself. They had all this promotion going on and they had all these trailers out already. When I went to book my seat, you know, at the cinema, 
they told me the movie was postponed, you know, the cinema itself. Oh. So I was like, okay, maybe that's just, you know, in Thailand or maybe somewhere else it will come out. But then it was worldwide, basically. Gotcha. So when was the actual shoot for Vanguard? Uh, we started in, if I'm not wrong, yeah, December 2018. And then we shot until... I would say, yeah, until July 2019. And where were you guys? Because it seems like some some of the sets seem like something that could have been put up in China. Or where were you actually around the world shooting? Well, basically, that's how it started. We went first to shoot in Taiwan from December 2018 and until February 2019. Then after that... Uh, we went to uh, England, London, for a couple of days. Then they came back, and we went to to Dubai. And after that, we went to uh, India. And basically, all the interiors uh, were shot. Uh, mo- not not all of them, but most of them were shot in uh, in China, in Beijing, at uh, at the studios there. I guess one of the most intense uh, outdoor shots on this. Um, and outdoor scenes is the uh, the river scene where in one of our previous interviews, either you or Tomer told us that Jackie Chan almost drowned during that scene. Can you like can you tell us that story? Just I know it was in the uh, the bloopers in the end or the, the behind the scenes footage, but what was that like on set that day? Well, you know, first of all, you know the the whole uh, river scene was. It was kind of like tough on everybody because you would have to travel every morning. We would leave the hotel at like four in the morning and we would shoot there until maybe 7 p.m. And that river basically was a rapid that is located in uh, Hualien, which is in Taiwan. The hard part about that place was how, how to get... We had many places where we shot in that river. That was a very easy place. And then there was the rougher areas. And some of these areas, you know, like, you know, if you're an actor and you're playing on the movie, basically you cannot wear like a, a life jacket under under your costume or on top of your costume. Mm. So basically when they said action, you're on your own. Like, you know, you have to protect yourself from falling off that boat. Otherwise, uh, you know, like it, it was pretty, pretty intense. And the thing about Jackie is basically it was it was riding the... Um, a jet ski, and as he turned in the river, basically, you know, his jet ski kind of like hit a rock, and then it basically collapsed on top of him, and him and one other actress went under the water, and they were kind of like stuck between rocks under the water, so basically, you know, the the girl came out, but Jackie was still under the water, and the lifeboat came and rescued him from under the water yes which is you know i mean that didn't happen during the start of the shooting it was uh, i remember it happened on the last day of when we were shooting on that river so yeah, it was kind of like frightening yes for everybody was filming paused after that for jackie to catch his breath not at all no <laughs> wow. in the in the outtakes it looks like he's just back and laughing about it yeah, I mean, um, I think, you know, he, he he was talking about, you know, on another interview he did, like he said, like, 
you know, first he was laughing about it on set, but then he went back to the hotel at night and, you know, he was kind of like, ang- he, he had that anxiety of like, mm. oh man, I could have almost died in there, you know? Yeah. The other like scary element of that um, Africa section of the film is the lions. Were any of those real or were they all CGI lions? I'm, I'm not going to lie about this. Uh, <laughs> I think what I saw from, you know, the lion that I saw there, you know, I, when, when, I was in, when I was in Taiwan, I never saw a real lion there. So we had basically a dude dressed in a motion capture outfit who was playing as the lion. And what I really disliked about the movie was actually the lion. I mean, I thought it was a big letdown, that lion, you know? Mm, yeah. yeah, I don't know about you guys, but you know, I'm gonna be honest here. I mean, you you thought that lion was kind of, you know, it was quite the crappy lion, no? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit. There's a, there's yeah. a well, good chunk of unbelievable CGI in this movie, I think. It's the cars and the lions, right? That's yeah. the biggest letdown about the movie: is the cars and the lion. Because <laughs> the movie itself, you know, has. It has a nice vibe about it, you know. It's like mm-hmm. a nice action comedy yeah. with yeah, good action. But then you have this huge letdown of the lion and then, you know, the CGI cars, which, <laughs> you know, I mean, I expected, you know, I expected a bit better than that. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I was just an actor on the movie. I don't have control over this, but it is what it is, like I say. What was it like? I mean, you didn't work too much on the stunts on this, right? You were you were the actor. You were the. No, I didn't work. I was not stuntman on the movie. No, not at all. So I I was just coming and doing uh, my uh, my acting duties, and then you know I was heading back to the hotel. So I, I was not on behind the scene or like you know part of the crew. I, I was just doing my acting scenes, and that's it. Yeah. Was the dynamic different between you and the crew because you'd worked with them so much before than some of the other actors, though? Mm, not really. I mean, you know, when you when you do a movie, you know, with Jackie and his team, you know, basically I worked with them on many movies. So, you know, when I come on a movie set and, you know, if I'm an actor on the movie set, I do know already they have an expectation from me that, you know, I'm going to have to do my own stunts. I'm going to have to do my own fighting at some certain extent. You know, they wouldn't, for example, allow me to, I don't know, jump off a building or something like this. No wire on. I don't think they will let that happen. But, you know, I do know already that they're going to kind of like treat me a bit like a stunt guy. But um, at the end of the day, you know, I was very happy to work on the movie and if I had to do it again, I will do it again. Of course, you know, it's always good to have opportunities like this. How did you think about developing the character, like getting into that particular role? Well, I didn't have time to do any of that. Let's be honest again, you know. I got called for the movie, basically. I was doing a movie in Thailand, and then they call me and they say, can I tell you how I got casted on the movie? Yeah, please. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> So basically, I was in Thailand doing a movie, and then this uh, one of the stunt coordinators there uh, in Jackie team called me and he asked me for pictures of myself. So I sent him pictures, and then uh, the production from Vanguard got hold of me, and then they um, they basically told me, "Oh, we're having uh, this movie, and we're gonna need um, some soldiers to come and uh, 
and play on the in the film, right? So to be honest, I don't know why I said this, but I said, oh, if he's just to come and be a bad guy number 75, <laughs> I don't want to do that. So I just was honest with them. And for some reason it worked because they said to me, okay, well, uh, then uh, you won't like to cast uh, uh, one uh, for one of the part of the movie. I'm like, yeah, why not? I mean, if you have anything that I can cast for. Then they uh, didn't talk to me for a while. And then they came back to me after one month and they are like, oh, we have this part in the movie, um, this character called Broto. Uh, do you want uh, uh, me to, do you want us to present you for it? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then they presented me and they asked me to send them like a, uh, a voice sample, you know, like uh, they sent me a dialogue and they said, okay, can you say those words and we want to hear your voice. So I sent that back. They asked me if I could speak Chinese. I said, absolutely, I speak Chinese, which I don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, then they sent me this contract and then that was it. That's how I got tested um, on the movie. And basically, I never saw a script <laughs> until I got there and I was getting my dialogue in the bus. Like, have you spoke to Tomer? You spoke, spoke to Tomer. To on, oh, on yeah. Podcast, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, sometimes, you know, I would be with Tomer in the van and uh, when we did those scenes in Africa, they would send us the dialogue uh, in the van at 5 a.m. They would be like, okay, here is the dialogue. And then we would learn and, you know, uh, run lines, me and Tomer together. And sometimes with some other actors, I would, I would run my lines. But that was it, man. But there's not much preparation to do for these kind of roles again. I mean, you, 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 you're doing exactly the prototype of mm -hmm. like, the evil foreigner in a Chinese movie. So it's basically, there's not much work to do to get ready for that. They have a lot of like stereotypes of like how a bad guy should look like. And um, yeah, I mean, that was it for the story. You know, it's like, I, I, I never had to do really a lot of preparation, but um, you know, for, for most uh, jobs in China, that's how it goes anyway. It's always like this. Am I just imagining things or was Tomer dubbed? Yeah, he was by, uh, I think he was dubbed by uh, a French act, uh, a French uh, voice artist, I think he was dubbed by. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was like, that doesn't sound like Tomer. <laughs> sometimes if you can hear, sometimes he has like a different accent <laughs> yeah. or different scenes. <laughs> Would you, did you end up doing any action on this film or was it all sort of gunplay? I saw you did some fights. What would you say was the most difficult of them? The, I did I did the fight on uh, on the boat, yes, and that was it. And they didn't ask me to do anything difficult. They just asked me, you know, to mm. punches and a few kicks. And you know, the only thing that was difficult is, was to stay on that boat, you know, and not fall in the water. <laughs> yeah. Because most of most of the fight stuff were actually shot in the river. So uh -huh. uh, for the river scene, there was. A limited use of CGI, I would say, uh -huh. and uh, mostly shot on location. But for the rest, I was just cruising through that movie, man, because it was like more acting than action. To me, it was great. You know, my knee was not that good in 2019. Mm -hmm. So when I got that movie, I was kind of like, 
that's great. I can take a whole year of just doing the act on this movie and I can just rest my knee. Yeah. I mean, looking ahead right now, does it look like uh, Jackie Chan and the JC Stunt team, are they working on any new projects now that things are getting back into production? Uh, I don't know really because I remember during right before the pandemic started in March, I got called to go to Mexico for a, for a new Jackie movie, but it never happened because of the pandemic. And uh, until today, I, I didn't hear from them. And I don't think that Jackie is doing any project right now. I'm not sure, actually. I don't think so. Oh, well, that must be the first time in forever that he has he's just had a break. Yeah, or maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe he's doing other stuff in China. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, anyway, you know, China is closed right now. It's pretty hard to go there at the moment. So, And most of Jackie movies, you know, they don't really shoot in China. They mostly shoot uh, overseas, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know, maybe in 2022 he will do something or be 2021. But so far I haven't heard of anything, no. What do you have going on after you're done with the the Dev Patel movie? I would like to have a break, man. I've been working on this for six months and not going anywhere, just staying in that resort and going to the studio. I I really want just to have a holiday and Hmm. just heal and have a life again and stop wearing that damn, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to go back to Bangkok once you're done? Yeah, I'll go back. I'll go back to Bangkok, yeah. Next month, I'm flying back to Bangkok, yeah. Thank you, Brahim Chab, for coming on the show again. That brings us up to the end of our bonus episode here. Our original music comes from Elliot Saltmarsh and Yehuda of Fist with a PH, and our art comes courtesy of Jay Castro. Follow us on Twitter at China Film Pod. Like the Uproar in the Studio Facebook page, and if you can afford it, we would really appreciate it if you would contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash uproar in the studio. We are currently trying to buy six doses of the Moderna vaccine help out and if you like it have some thoughts or suggestions email us at uproar in the studio all one word at gmail.com we'll be back with another bonus episode next month but before we leave you we just want to share some wisdom from the chairman to read too many books is harmful we'll see you next month Mm -hmm.